And we're back, fight heads. Here for another edition, edition of um, the best boxing show on the planet. I'm your host, Ramon R.L. Malpica, with uh, my co-host, Sean Heinberger, the wealth of boxing knowledge. What's going on, Sean? Oh, just after missing a week of listening, of being without the dulcet tones of Ramon R.L. Malpica, <laughs> life just hasn't been the same. Oh, man, you're just you're just too kind, man. But we're going to make up for it. You know, we got two hours today to make up for a lost week in the boxing world. Lucky for us, nothing really happened (laughs) between the last show and and this show. Uh, Nothing crazy, at least. But um, look, we got a great show ahead, man. I'm excited to do it. I know, Sean, you're excited to do it. Um, So let's get the formalities out the way. Uh, first and foremost, you could follow me on Twitter at RL Malpica. That's R L M A L P I C A. And um, Sean, hit him with your credentials, your Twitter. Uh, let him know what's going on with the blog, and of course, let him know what the blog website is as well. Uh, but I'm at Thoughts of RS on Twitter, of course, and uh, the blog's at thoughtsofrs.blogspot.com, where I was a little more active this week, but still uh, kind of lazy and. Quite frankly, lethargic. I really need to get off my rear end. Oh, yeah, it's the beginning of the year. You know, I mean, you got a lot of time to make up. <laughs> make up for yeah, it. Yeah, right? I did a little more this week. I did a lot more baseball talk this week. I have some things to say. I'm, I'm kind of slowly but surely turning things around. Okay. Starting okay. to rev up a little bit. I did some baseball stuff this past week. A little more getting into the groove. And I, and I did. Uh, I had some things to say about Errol Spence, as I'm sure we'll have some things to say tonight. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely have a couple. Got a great show lined up for, for you guys out there. Um, of course, we're going to talk about the fights this past weekend and the ramifications. Look, the title of today's episode is, look, Errol, the world is Errol Spence's if he wants it. The question is, does he want it? And the, actually, the bigger question is, is do his handlers want it? So we're going to we're going to dive into all of that. I know I know uh Sean you've got some opinions on it. I've got some some opinions on it. And, and I know you guys out there have some opinions on it. So uh here are the numbers to the show. Give us a call. You know, let us hear what your opinion is. You can call into the show anytime at 646-787-1746. And today is somewhat of a special episode because um I'm actually filming today's episode. Um, it's, it's not streaming live, but what I'm doing is I'm filming it and I'm going to, uh, release it either later tonight or tomorrow. So if you did miss the live show, uh, you do get an opportunity to see the first hour of our show, uh, in the flesh. You'll see me, you won't, you won't see Sean yet. We're working on Thank that, God. but, um, uh, you'll, you'll be able to actually watch the show, uh, as well as hear it. So just a different dynamic thought I'd try it out. Uh, see what it looks like, see what uh, uh, what the reception from you guys out there is. But uh, long story short, fight heads, we're always trying to move the needle and do something a little extra. So um, today's first hour of today's show will be recorded. Um, other than that, man, um, we got we to gotta get into these fights. But I, before we get into boxing, and look, this is a boxing show, but we're sports heads as well. Sean, I got to get just a quick take on um, the Super Bowl. What do you think? What do you think of the games over the weekend? And what do you expect uh, on February 4th when uh, New England Patriots face off against the Carson Wentless, Wentless Philadelphia Eagles? 
I think it'll be New England big. I think you can only expect to get so much out of Nick Foles. They've gotten more than I expected out of him, to be honest. Uh, I, I think they got a lot out of him yesterday. You can't argue about that. They, I think they kind of got fortunate to slide by Atlanta on a mediocre game from him. But he played very well yesterday. For sure. Um, Jacksonville should have beaten New England. But they didn't, <laughs> which is which yeah. is what happens when you have a quarterback. You could just see it coming. You could just see it coming that I was watching the game here, and you could say, this is your chance. They're leaving the door open. And you can't give a guy like Tom Brady the chances to leave the door open. And they did, and that's what happens. Interesting, interesting. You can't win. Look, if you're going to beat Tom Brady, you have to you have to take advantage of your opportunities, and especially when you have a guy that's an average quarterback like Blake Bortles, you have to slam the door when you have opportunities. You have to take advantage of them, and that uh, the deal at the end of the half. When they turned the ball over at the, at the end of the first half, and and allowed New England to drive down the field and score a touchdown, right? That that was key. And then the other play where they allowed New England to go down, where Jacksonville could have scored the first, the, the one at the end of the half where they got the first down and they just barely didn't get the playoff and got penalized for delay a game off a timeout. You can't do things like that. You have to, you have to not allow New England to get their foot in the door. And you, you have to keep in mind, you have Blake Bortles. You can't make those kind of mistakes. You might get away with if that had been Pittsburgh with Ben Roethlisberger, you might have been able to get away with that. Blake Bortles can't. No, no. And you know, I'll be honest when when when. Jacksonville took care of Pittsburgh. Um, I didn't give them much chance against New England, and granted, they should have won that game. And and you know we could talk about Tom Brady and his hand and and whatever the case may be. Um, so that's the only glimmer of hope that I have for the Super Bowl is that we really, at least I didn't really give Jacksonville a chance to go to New England and win that game or or pretty much dominate that game up until the last five minutes um, before Tom Brady did what Tom Brady does. Um, but I mean, that kind of gives me a glimmer of hope that maybe Philadelphia does have a good defense. It, it, obviously, it's it's a major stage. They're playing with house money. Um, you know, maybe that gives them the opportunity to make this a very competitive game. That's that's all I can really hope for. Tom Brady has two weeks to heal the hand. <laughs> and, um, and Philadelphia still is playing with Nick Foles. That's true. If if you told me in two weeks Carson Wentz might play for Philadelphia, maybe I'd change my mind. But 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 look what Blake look nobody and I mean nobody was giving Blake Bortles any kind of chance in the playoffs, right? Nobody. And, and look, he he was extremely competent. Does Did Philadelphia have Leonard Fournette? No, but they got some backs. They got Blunt. They got a um, Majai. You know, they're not. I mean, they're not. Those are not, okay backs, but they don't have Fournette. a horse like Leonard Fournette. Very, very true, very true. Very and true. Philadelphia do have, doesn't have a secondary like Jacksonville does. 
No, but I know, and I guess that's where the kicker is, is, is Philadelphia's defense is good, but Jacksonville's defense is elite. And that yeah. might be the difference difference there. But, hey, man, I'm just trying to – I'm just hoping that we don't get, you know, 43 to 10, you know, in the middle of the third quarter or something like that. I, I think that's what you're going to get. Um, everyone out there, uh, I, I did get a message from, from Derek Beamer who said he was having some troubles with the link. I did check it. It was working for me. But if you guys are having any issues hearing the show today, uh, make sure, give us a call, shoot us a tweet. Uh, you could tweet me at RL Malpica, tweet Sean at Thoughts of RS, tweet the show at Fightheads, and just let us know that you're having trouble hearing the show. Hopefully, hopefully that's just an isolated incident. But um, enough NFL, Sean. Uh, we had what many believe might be the next superstar in the sport fight this past weekend in Errol Spence Jr., Dallas's own Errol Spence Jr. And um, that's going to dominate the majority of the talk today. Um, I, got a lot of, I got a lot of things to touch on there. Sean, go ahead. You were saying something? No, no, I said good. Uh, I'm excited to talk Errol Spence. For sure, for sure. And, 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 and I'll preface it by saying – Based on the inactivity of both fighters, it, it was hard to really gauge exactly what this fight was going to mean. Um, but I came away, my takeaway, just from the fight itself, not everything surrounding it, not the future of Errol Spence, not any of that, but just the fight itself, I came away um, with, with a basic notion of you had a fighter in Lamont Peterson who hasn't looked the greatest in his last couple fights, um, you know, post the Danny Garcia fight, I'd say, been very inactive, but a tough, really good fighter. And then you have Errol Spence, who has the same inactivity issues, but he has the goods, and we know he has the goods. We're just waiting to see it. Basically, you know, we we saw it, you know, against Kell Brook, but then he had, he didn't fight for nearly a year, and 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 when he dominated, you know, the Algeries of the world and and whatnot, you know, it. it the competition obviously wasn't there. So Lamont Peterson was, was a fighter that I expected to lose, but I expected him to be competitive. And what I saw this past Saturday night told me enough to let me know that Errol Spence is, quote-unquote, the truth. And, and, and it's not to say that, that Lamont Peterson was at his best. You know, it might not even be to even say that Errol Spence was at his best. But for him to dominate every second of how long that fight went, I think it went a full seven rounds before Lamont Peterson's um, corner stopped the fight, you know, yep. told me all I need to know about Errol Spence and, and what he's capable of doing in the fight game. Sean, what was your take? Uh, well, I hate to pat myself on the back, but I, it kind of went the way I thought it would. Um uh, I had a feeling that this was going to be Spence's true coming out party. Not that I didn't like Lamont Peterson, because I think he's a true warrior, a true a solid fighter, not an elite fighter, but a really solid fighter. And I kind of thought that's how it was going to go, because when we did the boxing challenge, I, I had Spence winning in seven. It really killed me. I could have got an extra point had the bell not rang to start the eighth round. Uh, but it went kind of the way I thought it would, but what it proved to me was is that Spence 
I, I talked to somebody on Twitter about the, I loved, by the way, the Spence line about sometime Thurman. I couldn't stop laughing when he said that. Uh, <laughs> I, everybody wants to see Spence and Thurman. Spence and Thurman is going to be the same way that you saw Saturday night. Well, it, um, the people that are excited about that fight, that fight's going to be the exact same way that you what you saw Saturday night is exactly what you're going to see. Spence and Thurman. Thurman might last a few more rounds, but it's going to be just as uncompetitive. You heard it here it. first. No, there it is. Breaking news, everybody. The wealth of boxing knowledge. It's going to be the knows. same fight. It might go a couple <laughs> more rounds, right? and it might go 12, but it's going to be the same fight that you saw. And you know what? It, it might even be even less competitive because Keith Thurman doesn't have the heart Lamont Peterson does. We don't know that yet. Oh, yes, so, we do. do. Oh, yes, do we, we do. Uh, yes, because he – when you go against Danny Garcia, who is not exactly uh, Pepino Cuevas and Roberto Duran <laughs> as a puncher, and you call yourself one time and you choose to box rather than sit in the pocket and try to punch – you have already determined that you don't like to get hit. So because you have made that decision, that tells me a ton. So that tells me that you have made the decision that you don't enjoy being hit. And that tells me a lot about you as a fighter. And that tells me when push comes to shove, if you don't want to stand toe-to-toe against a Danny Garcia, you are not going to have what it takes when it comes time to man up against somebody that can legitimately legitimately fight. I mean, and not that Danny Garcia can't fight. Legitimately punch. Because right, right. Danny Garcia is not a puncher. He wasn't a puncher at 140. He's definitely not a puncher at 147. For sure. For sure. What is Keith Thurman going to do when he's getting hit like Lamont Peterson got hit? Now, I'm not saying Keith Thurman's going to fold up and get blown out in two rounds. But I certainly think he's going to be one of these guys. I, what I think is going to happen is it'll be one of these guys that you see he goes rounds. Ramon, you, you've been around. You see how, how it goes. It's, it's, they quit by not quitting. Oh, for sure. They for don't, sure. They, they don't necessarily surrender by saying, I quit. But they, they just get so non I think we lost Sean there. Sean, you there? We'll wait for Sean to get back on the line. But uh, just to, to follow up on his point, I see where I, I see where Sean's coming from. Uh, you know, based on the fact that Lakeith Thurman went into that Dandy Garcia fight and was very aggressive at the beginning of that fight. But once he figured out that he couldn't knock Danny Garcia out or really hurt him, he reverted to more of a more passive style, a more let's just say it, a bo- more boxing. Uh, you know, hit and and move on the outside, use his athletic ability, which Keith Thurman has the ability to do. Sean, can you hear that, me? Can yeah, you hear yeah. me? So, okay, yeah, I can hear you well, now. So. Quick, a quick little blip there, I guess. Uh, my, my, I guess my point is is sometimes. You can quit without quitting. 
you can surrender without physically saying, I, I surrender. And what I think would happen in that fight would be Keith Thurman will basically meekly get it. The punch output will Yeah, Sean, uh, I think I think his phone may have dropped again. Um, Sean, once you call back into the show, I don't know if it's a technical issue or whatever the case may be, but um, Sean, you there? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. It, it, you, it, it keeps dropping. You're on the phone, right? So it shouldn't, that it shouldn't be an issue. Yeah, Is that better? just just yeah, it, it's much better. Just just a um, a quick disclaimer. Blog Talk has been having some issues today. You know, Derek Beamer just, you know, he let me know that he couldn't he couldn't even get to the to the to the show and then he said now he can. So I don't know what the deal is with Blog Talk. They need to get their act together, I know that. But um uh, all of a sudden it, it, with me it may have been my phone because because I switched one phone to another and you sound a lot louder. So it could have been that perhaps my phone was dying. So I picked up okay. one phone instead of another one. So on my end, it may have been that particular phone. No problem. Uh, no problem. We're good. But, but I, I, I just think that what will happen in Thurman and Spence will be Thurman will just slowly but surely he'll quit punching <clears throat> a lot more, clutch and grab a lot more, and it'll just wind up being a extended beating because I don't think we're, what happened last night or Saturday night was Peterson never stopped trying. And because he never stopped trying and continued to throw, he continued to eat punches more and more and more. And that's why it was as bad as it was for him, because he never quit. He kept trying to win. And I'm not sure Keith Thurman is the kind of guy that is going to – I think he'll reach a point where he'll say, I'm beat, I've made my money, good night, everybody. That's just I, an opinion. I could be wrong. No, of course, of course. I, here and and when you were when you were kind of breaking up on your on your phone line, um, I was making the statement that I see where you're coming from with the Danny Garcia fight, but what I saw in that fight, uh, which is, is is along the same lines, but maybe a different outlook, is that Keith Thurman was aggressive early in that fight. He was trying to take it to Danny Garcia early. But once he realized that he couldn't really hurt Danny Garcia or knock him down or out, he reverted to to boxing, to sticking and moving and, and to staying on the outside and not engaging in exchanges, which almost lost him that fight, a fight that I think he should have probably won easily. Um, and, 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 and what that told me is that Keith Thurman is starting to lose confidence in his own power. What was once one time has been no time because I can't remember the last guy he knocked out, honestly. Um, and, and, and Errol Spence actually said this yesterday or the day I can't. I think it was yesterday. He said it. Um, he said that you know once Keith Thurman started fighting better opposition, he he realized he couldn't knock him out anymore. And, it's true. and I think and I think that's what you're seeing in a fight with Errol Spence. Don't get me wrong. I think Errol Spence, from what I saw this past Saturday night and against Kell Brook, is 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 going to put a beating on Keith Thurman. I just don't. I, I don't. Th- I wouldn't say yet that Keith Thurman doesn't have any heart, though, because I want to see him get beat on and quit or or not want it anymore before I I label him somebody who doesn't have any heart because he's been down, he's been hurt in fights, and he's come back. Granted, against lesser opposition, um, you know, whenever you're in a fight with with Sean Porter, for instance, 
And that fight was a back and forth fight. Um, and granted, he was not the aggressor in that fight, but he never quit in that fight either. And and it, anyone will tell you, Sean Porter mauls you, and he puts so much pressure on you for twelve rounds. Um, it's it, it's it's a, it's a it's a testament to to Keith Thurman that he was able to do as well as he was and continue to go in that fight. Now, I could also play the other side and say, well. He damn sure ain't, he, he hasn't given Sean Porter a rematch, and maybe that's the reason you're, why. You're absolutely right. It's, it's probably unfair for me to say he has no heart. That, that's probably unfair. Let, but let me, let me rephrase it, okay? Sure. This is a guy that has had really two times he's had to absolutely dig down, and he's had two times that he's had fights that, let's be honest, those, both of those fights could have went either way. On my card, I thought he, you know, they were those. I thought he won both of those fights, but they were seven-five fights on both of my scorecards. And 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 when, to me, when you have seven-five fights, they could have went either way. I don't think anybody would have screamed bloody murder if you would if either of those fights would have went to Porter or Garcia. I wouldn't have, especially no. the Porter fight. No, I and, and I don't think anybody thinks Keith Thurman is this unbeatable guy. I don't think he likes boxing. I think he's yeah, – you know, I'll tell you who he reminds me of, and I, this is going to make me real popular with a certain demographic. He reminds me of a less talented Andre Ward. Not in the ring, outside the ring. He's got, a, he's got, an, he's got an air of entitlement of somebody that believes that he's this – Big draw that he's proven something like, well, you know, I'll fight Errol Spence in 2019. You haven't <laughs> fought in a year. The year before you fought once a once, you act like you are this big pay-per-view draw. You fought two people with any kind of name. I, I just don't see it. I and, and, and Andre Ward, for whatever we all, you, me, everybody, for whatever we pick on Andre Ward about, the guy was a very talented fighter. For sure. Yeah, you know, sure. uh, I had my issues with him, but he was a tremendously talented fighter. Keith Thurman, there, you know, we, we could. Some of these guys that put Keith, I, mean, I see Teddy Atlas votes Keith Thurman as the third best fighter in boxing. I don't know if I'd even put him in the top ten. And if I would, he'd be like ninth or tenth. Right, right, right. I, I, I just—it's the outside the ring stuff that I would compare him to Andre Ward. This this air of entitlement. Keith Thurman ought to consider himself lucky. Anybody's excited about him at all after the last two years. I, I agree with that, and that's a good point. And I think. Okay, let's 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 dive into this. And and I know this is and look, it, at the end of the day it's really centered around Errol Spence because I think both of sure. us agree that Errol Spence is the future of the division, but the only guy standing in his way is Keith Thurman, so it's very relative. Um at least for now. <laughs> at least for now. Good point. <laughs> um Keith Thurman, like I think if you take inactivity out out of the picture, let's just throw that away. I know it means something, but for this for this argument, for this conversation, let's just throw it out the way. And you look at what he's done once he stepped up in competition, you know, starting with, you know, you could even start with the Robert Guerrero fight, you know, when, when PBC launched, right? Um, that and the Colasso fight and, and, and his performance against, who was it? Was, 
Colazzo hurt him. Hurt him bad. Yeah, Keith Thurman escaped because Colazzo hurt his arm in that fight. Um, Yes. um, Regardless, my my point is is that – and he looked the terrible guy, against Leonard Bungu. Remember that? How yeah, bad Bungu, he looked. That's, that's who I. That's who I was waiting for. And that's that's where the flaws really started to come out because up until the whole, up until PBC launched, Keith Thurman was was heralded as possibly the next big time welterweight, right? And granted, he is the champ, but the expectations we had for him, and I won't say all of us because you've always been kind of iffy <laughs> on him. So yeah, and, never, I, and I'll point that out. Um, so you know, props on that, but but the majority of boxing fans out there, you know, had some pretty high expectations for him from not just from a, a boxing standpoint, but from a power standpoint. And once we realized that this guy is not the quote unquote one time hitter that he claims to be, a lot of that, a lot of that luster, a lot of that, you know, pizzazz, that excitement, that that the electricity kind of dissipated. And now we're left with a guy that's inactive that is really a boxer. I mean, at the end of the day, he's a very athletic, he's a very athletic fighter, and I think as you see him if he continues to fight, I'll put that in quotations, um you're going to see a guy that that becomes more of a boxer than a boxer puncher or a puncher. And 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 for that, if he embraces that if he goes into, you know, whenever he fights the whatever cupcake he fights in the spring, and then let's say he fights Spence at the end of the year or early uh, 2019, if he embraces that style of fight and, and, and really tries to build towards that style of fighter, then he might not ever meet our expectations, but it will give him a better opportunity to perform better against Errol Spence because he is very athletic. But if he doesn't, and he never embraces that. He's going to get that. He's going to get his ass worked. Well, I, I just think I think that's a lot of it. Is he 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 portrayed himself this whole one time and this I'm a hitter, I'm a banger. I'm if he would have portrayed himself as a boxer puncher to begin with, You're right? People. It, I, I I'm in no way in shape or form comparing it was so, so I'm I'm prefacing this these comments before I start. Thomas Hearns is one of my five favorite fighters of all time. In no way, shape or form am I comparing Thomas Hearns to Keith Thurman, so please don't kill me. <laughs> so I love Thomas Hearns. He's one of my favorite fighters of all time. Keith Thurman, n- not anywhere near that. So keep this in mind. I'm making a general comparison as far as styles. When Tommy Hearns first started, he was the hitman, bam, 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 knocking everybody out. When he lost to Ray Leonard and he came back and kind of changed his style in between the Leonard loss and before he knocked out Roberta Duran, he was he was beating guys, but he even said, "I don't want to be the hitman anymore. I want to be." He started going by the Motor City Cobra because he was doing a little more boxing and he would knock guys out, but he was like the Benitez fight, he decision. He was right. doing a little more more of a boxer puncher and people were going like, What the hell is this? Because he wanted because he came up, they got used to him as the hitman. Blah 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 blah. He's a puncher, blah they wanted what they had been used to, what they had been kind of promised. They felt like they were getting ripped off. Like, what is this? Well, Keith Thurman had came up as one time. I'm this. I'm, they kind of felt like they were sold a bill of goods. 
and they had been promised that this guy was this huge hitter, and all of a sudden they see this guy going 12 rounds with Leonard freaking Bungu. It's like, you know, you sold me an apple and you gave me a peach, dude. That's not what I'm looking for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So please, okay, don't, don't, don't kill me out there because in no way, shape, or form would I ever dream of comparing Keith Thurman to <laughs> Thomas Hearns. Well, no, a perfect example of that, you know, expectation. And, and actually, this is funny. This might be the last blog I wrote because I haven't written something in a very long – at least nothing boxing-related in a very long time. But I think the last thing I wrote was about Triple G um, and everybody's expectations of him. So case in point, everyone was so used to watching Triple G destroy folks and, and knock them out. He went on that long knockout streak that the minute he went 12 rounds, all of a sudden they're throwing the guy in the trash can. And now he goes 12 rounds again, uh, again against um, Canelo, and, and it's the same thing. I mean, expectations, you know, versus actually dissecting what you're seeing. And by no means am I even comparing Keith Thurman to Triple G because I'm not doing that either. But um, case in point, I mean, a good point. I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense based on what you're expecting and what you're actually getting are two completely different things when it comes to Keith Thurman. Well, I mean, if if he had came up as a box puncher, you, you would probably hate him. It's understandable that he wins like this. He, it's his style. He's going to knock a guy out here and there, but he's not going to knock everybody out. But would you expect to give a guy named one time, and <laughs> the guy says, this is my nickname, well, you don't expect guys to go 12 rounds with Leonard Bungu. No, not at all. You just don't. Not at all. Nope. But um and he's not and look, he's not gonna beat Errol Spence. I'd bet my house on it. He's not beating Errol. And unless Errol <laughs> I, like I okay. Not not that I'm betting my house on it, but you know, I, I it's a great segue actually. Because uh one of the things I want to talk about are you know, let's break Errol Spence down. Because every fighter has a, a certain style, a certain dynamic about them, and Errol Spence to me and see if you agree with this, Sean. Okay. He's almost hard to dissect right now because it almost seems like he does everything great. Like, like he's, he can be a pressure fighter, but at the same time, he's passive. You know, he, it looks like he can cut the ring off pretty well. You know what I mean? Uh, he, he, can, he goes to the body as good as anybody. He looks to be strong in the, his right hand and left hand. He looks like he could take a shot because Lamont Peterson hit him with some good shots. Kel Brook hit him with some good shots. Now, granted, Lamont Peterson's a natural lighter fighter, but Kel Brook's not. And Kel Brook popped him a few times and didn't really do any damage. Um, you know, how would you break his style down? I mean, I, for me, I'd say he's just one of the most all-around great elite fighters I've seen. And I'm not saying he's... I'm not I'm not ranking him anywhere at the top or anything like that. What I'm trying to say is that he can do everything very well. Uh, well, this is what I would say, uh, and, and I'm going to say this in a way that is kind of opposite from what a lot of people do, and, and is, okay. I'm as guilty as everybody else because. Uh, and I'm not trying to say anything about race relations. The lazy thing to do is, have you ever noticed, and I do it and everybody does it, that when, when we do things in comparisons in sports, whether it's baseball, football, basketball, boxing, and you make a comparison, 
it's always to a guy of another ethnicity. Like you never see somebody saying, "Hey, you know who uh, Tom? You know uh, who Tom Brady reminds me of?" It's never Steve McNair. Right. It's always right. it's always a white quarterback. You never right. see anybody say scrambling uh, black quarterback reminds you of Steve Young. He reminds you of Randall Cunningham. Okay. Right. Right. You, know, you never. It, 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 I'm not saying it's it's a and it's it's not necessarily racially oriented. It's just just the way people think subconsciously. I, it happens. For Steve sure. Kim says that Errol Spence reminds him of Marvin Hagler, and I can see that. I can see that, but I'm going to tell you who he reminds me of, and I'm going to go against the stereotype and. I rarely do this because I'm as guilty as everybody else, but I'm going to tell you who he reminds me of, and you're going to I'm probably, and you're going to probably tell me I'm nuts. <laughs> Let me, I'm ready for this. You're going to probably tell me I'm nuts, and I was watching the Peterson fight, and I'm saying I see some things here. What he and I'm watching some of this stuff, and I'm and and I even went back and watched some YouTube's when I'm done. I'm saying. It's not a perfect analogy. He's a Spence is a little more aggressive. There's some holes here. It's not a perfect analogy, but I see some things in what he does. I saw some Salvador Sanchez. Wow. And I'm watching some of this. I'm saying <laughs> he's more aggressive than Salvador Sanchez. There's some little more holes defensively than Salvador Sanchez. And I'm watching this, and I'm saying there's some of these guys are going to think I'm nuts, but I'm watching some of this and going – there's some Salvador Sanchez stuff here. And I, I'm going, there's a lot of old guys that when I say this, they're going to say, what the hell's wrong with this guy? <laughs> there's some people out there that are going to say, what the hell's this guy smoking? But I'm telling you, there's some things that when I'm watching, I'm going, like, I can see some of this. I can watch. I, I, you know, Errol Spence is a lot more aggressive than Salvador Sanchez, and he's not as slick defensively. But I'm watching some of the moves, and I went back and I watched – uh, I watched three Salvador Sanchez fights, and, and I didn't watch the Salvador Sanchez fights that everybody watches. And this is why right. I did it. Uh, everybody watches the Gomez fight. Everybody watches the sure. Zuma Nelson fight. Everybody watches the Little Red Lopez fights. The fights I went back and watched, I watched, uh, I watched the fights that he won but didn't necessarily look super impressive in. Like I watched the, uh, the Patrick Ford fight which is a fight that he won, he defended his title, but didn't look super great in. Uh, he, he won a decision, and Patrick Ford wound up, the next time Patrick Ford fought Pedroza for his title, and, and Pedroza kind of played with Patrick Ford. And I, and I watched Sanchez against Ruben Castillo, who was a little more of a mover. Right. And, and I watched him against Juan Laporte, and Sanchez looked a little better in that one. And and I so I wanted to see him when when Salvador Sanchez wasn't quite against uh, the fights that everybody watches, and I watched some of these. And I'm going, yeah, that that's some things that remind me of, of, of Errol Spence, and, wow. and it's not a perfect analogy, but it kind of, and, and I'm going like, yeah, there's going to be some people that think I'm nuts, but. Yeah, that's that's who he kind of reminds me of, and I know Steve Kim said about Hagler, and I, I can see that, but I, I, mean, I, I, I can, see Mar, I see some Marvin too, but I see some Marvin, but I only see Marvin in specific fights, like the I see Marvin in the Mugabe fight, very similar to Errol Spence. 
um, and, and a couple others, maybe the, the, the veto fight as well. But the, diff- the, the difference I see in them is like Errol Spence has a lot of athleticism and, and the way he mixes it up, man, and in ways that are, that are athletic. It's not like he's just pounding to the body, then he's going up to the head for a few shots. Like he's strategically, you know, he's, he's, he's mapping out his fury in real time. And it's so fluid. It's 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 something that I've never seen before. When you say Salvador Sanchez, I'll be honest, I never that never ever crossed my mind. But now I'm gonna go look and check to see, <laughs> to, see to see what you're talking about. Um, but um, he's I don't want to say like it's very cliche to say I haven't seen anything like it. You know, whatever. But as far as fighters of today. In today's era, I think the closest one, honestly, the closest fighter I see to Errol Spence, as far as from a style standpoint, would be Chocolatito in the way he mixes it up, body to head combinations and whatnot. He's just not as, um, I mean, Chocolatito, he'll give up, you know, he'll give up a big shot just to land his. I don't think Errol Spence is to that point yet. Um, but he's just overwhelming, man, in, 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 in a lot of different type of ways. Not just overwhelmingly aggressive. He's just overwhelming in everything he does. Like, whatever, you know, you try to stop, he's going to do something else. Like, there's no – right now, and, and, and I'm probably getting ahead of myself, but right now there doesn't seem to be an answer to him. And we'll see, we'll see when he gets into deep waters, you know, um, which is a great segue to the next part is what's next for Errol Spence. Um, you know, we'll see what happens when he actually gets hit by a big puncher, a real big puncher. You know what I mean? Um, uh, or, or maybe he move, you know, if he moves, if he ends up moving up to junior middleweight, and he gets hit by one of those guys or something, something along the, those lines. We'll see what happens when some adversity hits him because that has not really happened yet. But um, I'm just really impressed, man. I, I'm really, I, I've always been in on Errol Spence, and maybe it's a home, you know, maybe because I'm, I'm in the Dallas area, and, and as he was coming up, that's always something that resonated with me. But, and, I, and I've seen him live, and, and I see his following, and it's really cool to see. Um, but I think, I think the, the sky's the limit for this kid, man. As long as, and once again, a perfect segue, as long as his handlers don't hold him back. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, he's already put on Twitter that he supposedly has a fight date lined up for his next fight. Uh, it would be nice to see him fight three times this year. Oh, it'd be amazing. Has he that, fought? I, I can't remember the last time he fought three times in a year. Three years ago, maybe? Yeah, it must have been when he first came out because he fought, I think, twice in uh, what was the Olympic year? Uh, 2016. Well, T- twice in 16, once last year. and. Yeah, yeah. You, you want people to care. You got to keep in front of them. You know, I, I I really believe that. And if you want to build up people to care about your fight with Keith Thurman, and to a lesser extent, your whatever the hell your plans are for down the road, you got to fight three times a year. You got to make people care, and that's how you're going to do it. And that, you know, like we said about Keith Thurman, you want to know why people don't know who you are because you fight one time a year, dude. Yep. For sure. For sure. Well, you brought up a good point uh, when you said that uh, you were talking about your, your um, comparison to him and Salvador Sanchez, and you're saying that he doesn't, he gets hit more than Sanchez. He wasn't as slick as Sanchez. Do you consider that one of his flaws? He gets hit a little bit too much? Errol Spence, that is? Well, you know, he does, but, but most good fighters do. 
I mean, for gosh, sure. I mean, you know, everybody gets hit. The key is, is how hard do you get hit? Do you get hit? Are you able to take a little bit off that punch? I mean, everybody gets hit solid. The key is how are you able to take that extra little something off? It's it's the difference in getting hit with a with a huge shot and a very good shot, and 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 that will be the test over time. And and I I think he's got enough defensive skills to get by. I I think he's got for an aggressive fighter. I think he's got enough to take. He's got enough to get by. A key um, a key moment in the fight against Peterson, you know, because the first two rounds, it, it became evident to me that this was going to be a, just an absolute dominant walkthrough fight for Errol Spence, even though Peterson did show some resistance in heart. Uh, you could just tell. Um, but the, so I started looking for, you know, minute details and things that Spence was doing. And one of the things I noticed, which, man, it made me, it gave me goosebumps. That's, that's how excited I get when, when I know we have a great one in front of us, right? Um, is that, look, everybody knows Errol Spence loves to go to the body, right? And he would go to the body and get countered to the head with some big shots from Peterson, but he kept going to the body. And, and it, it did not deter him. It did not stop him. He did not deter from his game plan of what he does, even though he was getting tagged with some big shots from, from Lamont Peterson. And, and granted, if he's fighting a, a bigger puncher, maybe that doesn't happen. But you, gotta, you can only judge what's in front of you. And that's something I saw, and that's something that, that just added, you know, it was like icing, to, icing on the cake of what this kid can truly become. Because, you know, you don't get guys like that that are going to follow their game plan no matter what. It's like Mike Tyson said, everyone has a plan until they get hit, right? You know, Errol Spence went in there with a game plan, and he's a balanced fighter. He's going to go to the body. He's going to go to the head. He's going to do it, you know, consistently throughout until you stop him from doing it. And no one's been able to stop him from doing what he wants to do inside the ring. And, and I'm not sure any of the welterweights are capable of doing so. I think Keith Thurman's a guy that's going to say he's going to until push comes to shove. I don't think Danny Garcia has got the kind of style that's going to do anything about it. I think Sean Porter's a guy that's rugged enough to perhaps take Errol Spence's t- stuff, but I mm-hmm. don't know if he has the type of firepower to do anything back. Sure. Uh, I, uh, I think Jeff Horn, that, that's a beating waiting to happen. <laughs> I think I, I think Terrence Crawford would be interesting, but we're still talking about a guy that is unproven at this weight class. I, I, I just don't kicker. know how any of these guys really match up with Errol Spence. We might be talking about really not knowing what we have as far as a true test until he hits 160 pounds. Well, that's that's. The I mean, uh, we're probably putting the cart before the horse, but it might be three or four years until he goes to one sixty. Till we really know. That's the key. All right, look, it, it, look, if look, you know, we can talk. You know, we can keep everything very basic on this show, but that's not what we do, Sean. You know, we we are going to project to the future. We're going to talk about the the the, the highest possibilities of everything in the fight game, and. If I'm looking down the line, I'm seeing an Errol Spence-Canelo fight somewhere down the line, and it's going to be massive. Like, I see that as the next big, massive fight. I've talked about it for years, ad nauseum. 
when people try to say that boxing is dying or boxing is going to die, and I always say there's a regeneration of fighters that happen every generation, and we've got the new generation of fighters. But Terrence Crawford is the kicker because I can't say there, there's so many great things about Terrence Crawford. And if he can hold the weight at 147, to me, that's a toss-up fight. That's an amazing fight between Crawford and Spence. I mean, because they're so different, but they're both extremely competitive. And I, I, I can't sit here and tell you that one. I, I couldn't give you a winner of that fight. I just couldn't do it. it now, he's, Glenn, the one, he's the one guy that could spoil the whole train. For sure. And, and sure. he's the he's the one guy that I can't sit here and say we know uh, because and the only thing you know, look as far as skill wise I, I think he's right there and he has the height I think to carry the weight comfortably it's just that it's not as much that it's just he hadn't fought at the weight yet we don't know. That's the only thing. He's more of an unknown quantity at this particular stage. But for now, that's what he is until we see him fight. But of the PBC guys, I just don't see it happening. I love Sean Porter's effort. He'll come to fight. He'll be aggressive. He'll try hard. I just don't think he's got the firepower to – the one thing we do know about Sean Porter, he'll he'll, he'll test Errol Spence's heart. He'll be on top of him for as long as it lasts, and it'll be Errol Spence will have to fight, and he'll he'll either beat Sean Porter up pretty bad, or it'll be twelve pretty long rounds. But Sean Porter's going to make him work for it. But I don't think Porter's got the firepower to really make Spence sweat as far as a decision. I don't think Keith Thurman's going to be any problem at all. I don't think Danny Garcia is going to be any problem at all. You know, like I said, I think Jeff Horn is just, that's just going to be a beat down. <laughs> I, I right. think Crawford has the ability to beat him, but let's wait and see what happens at the weight. Yeah, I, I, I think Crawford Spence is the fight that I think most real boxing fans will be excited about. But you know, I Crawford. Uh, or Spence Thurman is the fight you think is easiest to make, but you know Thurman knows what's going to happen. That's why that's why he doesn't want to have it. That's why it's yeah, yours is the you know, these tweets and hell, hold on there, young buck, like he's like uh, <laughs> yeah, king on the mountain, looking down, you know, like you have this big career coming off your your win over Danny Garcia a year ago. Woo, you know, hey, uh, how's Leonard? You know, you got that big resume with the Leonard Bungu win and. Like, give me a break. Really? You beat Sean Porter. So did Cal Brook. Crawford's the, the kicker. If, if Crawford can prove to be a legitimate puncher at welterweight, a legitimate yep. puncher, and, and, and is able to, you know, to pose some type of physical threat against Errol Spence, then I think that is the ultimate fight in boxing. Um, that's yet to be seen. And obviously, such a hard fight to make especially when there's just not that much money involved in it. You know, Crawford's going to be on ESPN, and they're even talking about 
Crawford and Horn being a ESPN pay-per-view, which is just, I understand why if Manny's on the card, but to me that's stupid. You know, get Crawford in front of as many faces as you can. Don't have him do another 75,000 pay-per-view buy and nobody gets to see it situation, man. Um, that's neither here nor there, but I think that's the kicker, man. You know, Crawford, Crawford and Spence, two of the probably – Two of the best fighters in the world. I mean, outside of Lomachenko, you know, Triple G, Canelo, I guess those are your, your top guys. But they, I, if I was Bob Arum, I would probably try to say, again, if it was me, I would put try to put take the sacrifice and put have a double header where you put Manny from the Philippines or wherever and put it on ESPN where he's not the co-feature, he's the main event from the Philippines from you right. know. And and you could say, "Hey, look, you're the main event. You were tape delayed from earlier in the day or whatever loophole you have to do that Manny doesn't have <laughs> right. to feel like he's the co-feature." And then you have Crawford Horn, and if Crawford knocks Horn out, which you figure he will, Maybe you could set that up to be Crawford Manny on pay-per-view in the fall or, or whatever, and if, and then you put Crawford Manny uh, on, you know, the replay on ESPN, and if Crawford knocks Manny out, maybe then that will oh, start huge. the drumbeat for Crawford uh, Spence. What's the kicker with Crawford? You have to, like, as a promoter, you have to manufacture something. Like he doesn't have the personality that's going to do it himself. Great guy, great fighter. Don't get me wrong. You know, I got nothing against Chance Crawford. But, but just his personality doesn't scream out, man, I really got to see that guy fight. You know what I'm saying? So you He's have the modern-day Sonny Liston. Yeah, take a look at his eyes. He's the modern-day Sonny Liston. He, yeah, but Sonny take Liston a look at that, murdering guys, though. Take a way. look at that famous picture of Sonny Liston in Sports Illustrated where he's sitting with the shirt off at the poker table. Right, right. Look at that picture of Sonny Liston, and he looks at, at, in the eyes. He looks like Terrence Crawford. Huh, interesting. I'll have to check that out. Check For that all the out. Fans he, out it, there. It's the famous picture of Sonny Liston in Sports Illustrated. He's sitting in the Vegas casino, and he's he has his shirt off, and he's sitting in front of, I think it's a poker table, but it could be. He's in a casino. I don't remember. Right, I, think it's right. a, I think it's a poker table, but it could be roulette or whatever. And uh, he's sitting, and he's got this look in his eye. He's just sitting there looking at the camera with this expressionist look. And uh, he look, he's he got this look in his eyes. He looks very similar to the look you always see with Terrence Crawford. And, <clears throat> and you know, I, I really think that you, yeah, you're absolutely right, that with Terrence Crawford, you're going to have to work to promote him. He is not going to be a guy that, emotes a lot of emotion he's not a bad guy because he doesn't come he he's not a floyd mayweather that comes out and makes you really dislike him right. but he's also not a guy that makes you come out and say oh, i really like him there's just really he's just not a guy that brings out a lot of emotion so you're going to have to really work it's going to be a lot about the opponent and a lot about the – or the other tack of, hey, these are the two of the best fighters in the world. We're, we're bringing you this spectacular matchup of two of the top five or two of the top ten or whatever. 
Well, here's here's where, um, and you're going to hate this comment, Sean. You're going to hate it, but unfortunately, it's the world we live in, and it's true. But here's where both these guys, Spence and Crawford, have an advantage, and that is Stephen A. Smith. Stephen A. Smith loves both these guys. He's had both of them on his show. He continue. He just had Spence on his show, um, and anytime Crawford uh, fights, he has him on his show, and. Stephen A. Smith, it, like he's almost the face of ESPN now, the face and the voice, and 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 for to have someone like him in the background, plus with Crawford actually fighting on ESPN is going to help tremendously, especially for someone like Terence Crawford. Because look, it, what's, you, you want to hear the craziest thing is that it's not like Errol Spence is very flamboyant or anything like that, but his personality, like Errol Spence, has this quiet confidence about him. Like, he doesn't say a lot, but every word he says, like, it's, it, it holds a lot of weight. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, just like, like you said earlier, sometime Thurman. Like, like, those are just strategic little things that he says that makes you just – and he's got this smile. You're just like, man, this dude believes that nobody in the world can beat him. And it just resonates through the screen, through the, through the speakers, whatever the case may be. And, and, and it's not – like I said, it's not like he's aggressive or anything. He's just – He's just a, he, he just has this confidence that radiates from him. Well, I don't have a problem. I think it's good for boxing that Stephen A. Smith covers it. I, I just wish Stephen A. Smith wasn't on Top Ranks broadcasts. <laughs> I, I think it's good. I think it's good for boxing that Stephen A. Smith is covering it on first take. I think it's good for, sure. for boxing that Stephen A. Smith is talking to these guys on Sports Center, and I think it's good for boxing that he's doing these things. I think I think it's really good for it. I just think he's. I, I just don't think he's good for to be on the top ranked broadcasts because I don't really think he's first of all, I don't think he's qualified to do it. And second of all, it it comes across really comes across really badly to have this guy screaming at Holland. <coughs> Excuse me. It, it, just like I don't think it's good for the, I don't think it's makes it for a good broadcast that Mark Kriegel's doing it either. I, I think it comes across really poorly. You know, the first uh, thought that popped into my mind when they said that, that the Horn-Crawford fight might be pay-per-view, I was like, please tell me they're going to get a different broadcast team for a pay-per-view. Please tell me. But we'll see. Oh, I just think – I just ESPN, the top rank, that that whole crew, I, I – Joe Tessitore's take or leave for me. He's not great. He's not awful. Uh, but he's dull, man. I'm sorry. But but Mark Kriegel as your as your color commentator is just terrible. It just he's I I like I've said before. I've read his books. His book on Pete Maravich is tremendous. He's a great writer, and his when he worked for Showtime and doing the uh, like the feature stuff, great stuff. Who the hell thought it was a great idea to make him the guy doing the color commentary? Because whoever that guy is needs to be fired. For sure, for sure. And, yeah, and, like, and, and 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 Stephen A. You know that's you're you're absolutely right. He he's the face of ESPN now and whatever. It's it's great for the exposure. Get those guys on first take. Get them to talk to him doing on Sports Center and all that stuff. That that's all well and good. That's wonderful. You want to put right. Stephen A. on like a post fight wrap up show? Hey, all the better. I'm all for exposure does not need to be on the broadcast. It's just my opinion. No, 
Yeah, I hear you. I mean, I understand why he's on the broadcast, you know, just because people want it. People want to hear what he has to say because for casuals, I mean, like, and that's what they're aiming for. You know, they're not aiming for the hardcore audience. The hardcore audience, you know, that's the type of people we look. Boxing fans might be the most critical fans in the world. I mean, who else criticizes announcers more than we do? You know what I'm saying? Granted, I think announcers have a bigger impact on the perception of the fight compared to, like, football games or basketball games, per se. But, I mean, we complain about everything. You know what I'm saying? So I don't think they're aiming for us. They're aiming for the average casual who just happened to turn on ESPN because the uh, North Carolina game went on too long. So now there's some boxing and they're watching. And, oh, here's Stephen A. Smith talking about how blah, blah, blah did blah, blah, blah. You know what I'm saying? I think that's their, their, their main focus. I, I just – well, I mean, then at least the guy should do some homework and learn the sport. That's just – that's been a knock of mine since, for 40 years now that so many of these guys on networks think boxing and to a lesser extent horse racing, they think any imbecile can watch two tapes <laughs> and know what the hell they're talking about. I've seen so many guys try to do boxing and horse racing and think all they have to do is show up and watch two tapes and think that they know everything there is to know. It's just unreal. At least do some homework. And and all these guys tend to just show up and know like three names and act like they're experts. Just please, Stephen A., just you know, do some homework. Know somebody other than you know the three or four guys fighting tonight. And for those of you out there who have any takes or any boxing questions for, for myself or Sean Heinberger, here are the numbers to the show. You can call into the show anytime at 646-787-1746. And for all of our viewers out there who are watching in um, on our our show, um, once I release this, um, thank you for watching. And we are, if you want to catch the rest of the show, blogtalkradio.com backslash fightheads. And we're going to go to the phone lines, actually, because we, yeah, we have a long-time fight head, fight fan on the line right now. It is the one, the only, Fred Landucci. What's going on, Fred? Hey, Ramon, how are you? I'm Missed good. you all last yourself? week. <laughs> oh, I know it. I know it, man. Anyway, hi, Sean. I decided Fred. to call. I told you I might not, but I decided to call. <laughs> Fred was back and forth on when he was one of the call. Good choice. No, I was just gonna I was just gonna fill you in, Ramon, what you were saying about Spence, you know, set of dates. I think he wants to do something in April or May in Dallas. So there you go. Right in your hometown, buddy. You got your man. Say it again, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I, I didn't hear I, you. I, said, you say? I think uh, no. I said that Ramon that um, uh, Spence uh, I think wants to uh, do something in Dallas for you, either April or May time frame. I don't know if it'll come together because I guess he's searching for the right opponent or someone who wants to go against them. Uh, but uh, yeah, good luck with that. There you go. Yeah, I know. That's what he's going to say. <laughs> that's what he's talking. He that's, said, he he said that last. He so, said that last year though, and it didn't happen. Yeah, it so sounds I'm, like I'm not holding my breath. Pete. Yeah, PP. Yeah, what is it? Pete and repeat. Anyway, uh, <laughs> just wanted to talk. To, <laughs> just wanted to talk. I know he's talked to Sean already about this, but the Easter. Uh, what's his <laughs> name, Sean? I'm not good. Yeah, Fortuna. Javier fight. Fortuna. 
Yep. Javier Fertini. You know what it reminded me of in a way? It reminded me of David David Lemieux and um uh one just have Billy Joe Saunders. Uh in the fact that look like Easter's corner had what were they doing? I mean, why did why did they let Easter continue to try to box inside with this guy when he's what, half a foot taller? Probably got four or five inches of reach. And, you know, it looked like they weren't helping him. Like, you know, when, you know, with Lemieux, I don't know whether, you know, I know Billy Just Saunders is better than people or, you know, showed more than people did, but it looked like Lemieux wasn't prepared as well for Saunders. It looked like Easter was doing things that really didn't help him impress anyone, that's for sure, because, like Sean said, I think he, Sean had Fortuna winning the fight. And basically, I thought Easter was doing a real poor job of. Well, I don't know what he was trying to accomplish. I guess that's what. I guess that's my question, Ramon. Yeah, any thoughts on that? I mean, what exactly was he doing? I mean, I liked Easter. I mean, I've seen him fight in the past, and I thought, well, this guy could, you know, he possibly could go somewhere. But from a performance like that, I don't he know. Pretty bad, I thought. Listen, yeah. I mean, Robert Easter has all the quote-unquote physical tools, but man, have I been ex- so unimpressed with him the last two fights especially this fight. You're right, man. There's no reason on God's green earth or whoever you believe in or whatever's green earth or Mother Nature's green earth or whatever that this dude with that long 76-inch reach should be fighting inside against Javier Fortuna. There's no reason. And this is how elementary it is, all right? I had the in-laws over. And when I say they're not even casual sports fans, they're not even really sports fans, right? And my mother-in-law looks to me and says, why is he fighting so close to him? I mean, he has those long arms. Shouldn't he be fighting like farther away from him? I mean, that's how elementary it is. And I'm sitting and I was like, wow, that's like a really good point. Yes, he should not be inside. And, and it happened all night. And yes, it was a bad decision. I'm very, I was very disappointed in that decision because, Look, Fortuna's had a rough go of it, you know, um, you know, as the last couple of years, and he deserved that fight, in my opinion. Um, and Robert yeah. Easter did not. I'd have felt a lot worse yeah. for him if he would have came in on weight. True. Yeah. True. But he won the fight. Yeah, you know, he didn't deserve the belt, obviously, but he did win that fight. You, yeah, I, I thought think, he won. Do you think possibly there was something to do in the judges' minds about that weight issue that I don't know. It it seemed like something was affecting. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. But, but, you know, we've always had. You know what, Fred? That's a hell of a good point. You know, I never thought about that. But you know what? Sometimes that's an excellent point. Sometimes you think maybe guys look at it and say, "Eh, you know what? I'm not rewarding that guy subconsciously. Right. That's possible. We're all human. I'm not giving that yeah, guy a break. He couldn't even bother to be professional enough to come in here and make the weight, especially right, in the early yeah. rounds. Yeah, he, he took, uh, I guess, in their mind, probably a, not a professional approach to his craft or whatever you want to call it, to his, you know, his what he was doing, what he's supposed to be doing, which is make weight and fight for a title. He kind of right. took a, a lot lackadaisical approach, and I don't think they, in their mind, had any uh, – any reason to, um, you know, reward him, even though he did, I mean, even though, uh, I guess in the way Easter fought his fight, 
you know, instead of the champions fighting, you know, you know what I mean? That yeah, I, I don't. They were in the mood to reward him just because that he was able to get the guy to fight his fight, you know. I I don't think people consciously think that way, but that's certainly something that people had get could could subconsciously think of is, hey, look, you know, here's a guy that I mean, can't even get his ass into shape. It probably is, you know, as a, as a guy that is a natural 126 pounder, he's moved up. Uh, nine or ten pounds to fight in this weight division, still can't make weight. Yeah, that's probably something in the back of your mind. Makes sense yeah, to me. Because, yeah, because we and I know we all complain about judging and everything, but in this way, you know, it might have played a little bit of a factor in it. Maybe not, but, you know, but I, I, the only reason I'm saying that is because it looked like to me that Easter was doing everything he could to basically not win the fight. Maybe I'm wrong, but you know, it, yeah, it he did. That he Look, was doing a lot. We consider, I mean, most of us consider Robert Easter a player in the division, right? And right. none of us really consider Javier Fortuna moving up in weight to be any kind of player in that division. And Fortuna walked away looking like the better fighter. Like Robert Easter, call it a bad night or whatever the case may be, looked very average to me. Like. And I had high expectations for him. I mean, not super high, but high expectations. I mean, I don't. I, don't, too, I mean, that's two bad, two bad fights in a row. Very bad fights in a row. Well, let's let's look um, at on my card. He lost eight out of twelve rounds to a guy that's a natural featherweight. That's not somebody <laughs> I consider a player in the lightweight division. Now he still is. He's a champion. But right. this is somebody that wants to fight Mikey Garcia or Jorge Linares, and you just lost eight out of twelve rounds to Javier Fortuna. With yeah. with Fortuna losing a point in the second round, anyway. Right? That's so, that's yeah. why that's why the one fifteen to one twelve card is just is kind of baffling to me because there's no way in the world he won seven rounds. No way in the world Robert Easter won seven rounds. No. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent with that. But, you know, you had him winning, Sean, and you know, even with a point deduction, that's you know, that's pretty unusual. Let's put it that way. <laughs> but you know, as far as boxing scoring goes, uh, but that's basically. I just want to talk about him. Uh, I guess you know, there's all this chirping going on between. Uh, I really would love to see, like you were talking about Crawford and uh, Spence. Get well, what do you think but, of Spence? What do you think of Spence, Red? I think that Spence is probably one of the toughest people I've seen fight in a long time because, you know, maybe Peterson isn't a big-powered dude, but there was nothing he Peterson could do to stop Spence from coming forward, continually coming forward. I don't think Spence backed up one. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he did back up. But I don't think there was any point of that fight where Spence backed up. He was His plan was to bore in and punish Peterson and... Pretty much, that's what happened all night. I mean, you know, Peterson couldn't couldn't stop him from coming forward, and that to me is a sign of someone who's, you know, like you say, he's got the heart, the determination, the skill. I don't know who can, I don't know who's in that division who can, you know, stop him from coming forward. I mean, possibly Thurman, but you know, you know, we don't really know. Like you said about um, what's his name one time. Um, the guy, <laughs> the other guy. Um, no, Crawford might be able to stop him. Thurman, I don't think has the. He has a. Sh- I mean, 
you know, lately and and recently hasn't shown the ability to, you know, to keep someone from boring in on him. I guess that's the main reason that, you know, he won't fight anyone of that type of, you know, that level. Because I think Spence, like he says, probably one of the top. What do you think, Sean and Ramon, top three? Go on, top four? I mean, if I'm I'm buying stock right now in boxers, I'm buying stock in Lomachenko, I'm buying stock in Spence, and I'm buying stock in Crawford. (laughs) Those those are my three guys I'm buying stock in. Yeah, that's that's what I mean. Uh, I'm thinking that that there, I I don't know who can really, you know, from what I saw, I don't know who can stop him from doing what he wants to do. And, you know, I guess the key to success, you know, stating the obvious, is when a boxer has a plan – and he's able to, you know, no matter what Mike Tyson says, but, you know, when you got, when you had a plan and you can't change, deviate, get him off that plan, you're in a world of hurt. <laughs> you know, you're, you know, you're in a world of hurt because that's what I see with Spence. Um, looked like, I don't know who could get him off, you know, it looked like what his plan was and Peterson did nothing to alter that plan is what I'm getting at. Even by hitting him, it didn't appear that he was altering what Spence wanted to do. And right there it tells the story in in my opinion is you know, somebody's gonna have to come up and be able to change his plan. I don't know if there's a people in that division other than um what's his name? Uh Crawford. But then of course Crawford probably will stay away from him for a long, long time. <laughs> I don't know I mean well, Crawford Crawford's, Crawford's uh, never been the type of guy to to, to 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 shy away from about, so I'd be interested to yeah. see how that goes. I don't think it'll be well, by choice. I think it'll be by promotion. Right. Yeah, yeah there you go. The nature yep. of the game today, right now. I, yeah, I think that I'm goes sure both ways, though. Would... I think it's PVC and top rank. I would agree right. with that. Right, right. I agree. You know, they, they, they. I'm sure that if you got an honest interview, or you know, asked them both honestly, would they, you know, want to fight each other? I'm sure they'd both say yes. But to make that happen in today's boxing atmosphere, in today's boxing world, that's you know pretty difficult to do. It appears yeah. a lot of <laughs> guys say a lot of stuff. They all they all call <laughs> everybody out, but they never seem to make it happen, do they? Right, yeah. and that's I think part of part of it is they don't really want the fights, and part of it is is it's so difficult to get people to agree when you have these such these factionalized. Whatever you want to call it, fraction, I guess, fractionalized promotions, if that's such a word, or everything's kind of splitting apart and splitting, and people are not interested in dealing with different groups to try to make things happen. That, you know, well, that has the trickle down effect. Because it's not we'll just see. promoters now, it's networks now, you know. You got, oh, yeah, now, every, yeah. Everybody's hooked up with these networks, and these networks don't want to. Uh, uh, they they have money with people involved and and they don't want to put money into guys and then watch them have big fights someplace else. It's uh, it's it's very complicated. It's uh, yeah. Plus, it's I don't business. think they really want to back somebody who could in you know in the future meet somebody like Spence on you know and he get that whoever they've been backing for a while you know all of a sudden he loses that really doesn't do them any good at all you know then they really feel whatever you know they i don't think that you know because they they put a lot of money into promoting certain fighters and if those guys happen to run into a you know tough guy i think the networks really um get upset well they're hurt by the fact that their man gets taken down so to speak 
that's what happens. But, I mean, hopefully, hopefully the fighters, you know, take their careers in their own hands, which, um, right. you know. We'll see. We'll see. Hey, yeah. just one quick question. The Charlo, mm-hmm. the Charlo who I think is moved up in weight, uh, Jamel, Jamal, I don't know which one it is. Jamel, middleweight Charlo. Charlo. Yeah, the middleweight Charlo. Is it all the rumors I've been reading on the internet a lot? Do people fear him? I mean, maybe I never gave him a lot of credit. They've never been my favorite fighters, either of them. But do people really don't want to tangle with the 160 Charlo? I mean, it appears that... It's... You know, <laughs> talk is cheap. That's just... it, 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 that is a bunch of PBC hogwash because they don't have anybody at 160. Nope. Well, uh, no, 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 because they lost. They lost. Um, what's the name? Um, they lost Jacobs. Jacobs. Yeah, they've got nobody Jacobs, at yeah. 160 for him to fight. So, so the easy narrative is, is all oh, they're all afraid of him. Well, they got nobody for him to fight. Why do you think his mm-hmm. next fight is against Hugo Centeno? <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's somebody. Well, that's who his next fight is. It was announced yeah. today: Jamal Charlo against Hugo Centeno. You excited uh, about uh, that? That turn you on? Really? No, because then I'll then there's my opinion of Charlo again after I see the fight. I mean, I mean, if that turns you fight. on, I mean, if that does it for you, and then he'll call somebody out. So he'll call. Oh, I want Triple G. You know, well, of course you do. <laughs> yeah, of course. Well, sure you do. Anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you do. Yeah, I. I, I you know, I mean, it's. I mean, you know that, that. I mean, how many times do we hear Peter Quillen call out Triple G? You know, how many times do we call hear Daniel Jacobs call him out until he finally, you know, got forced into a corner and had to and had to put up or shut up, and and then it was be fair to poor Daniel Jacobs, and you know, yeah. it, it and and to be fair, it's not just PBC. You hear it all the time. These guys call these guys out from the other companies because they know it's not going to happen. It's the easiest and cheapest thing to do in boxing. Oh okay. yeah, I'll take that fight. Yeah, sure you will. Well, you take it for whatever. Ah, be fair to me now financially. It's a business. Mm-hmm. It's the easiest and laziest thing to do in boxing. Mm-hmm. So enjoy Jermel Charlo or Jermel or whichever the one it is against Hugo Centeno. And, you know, he'll go out and blast him out in two rounds. And then we'll do the I want Golovkin. And, you know, we can do the he'll do the heel wrestler thing. And, you know, it'll be it'll be wonderful. And then. Then the Al Heyman people will say how everybody's afraid of him. Say, well, you know, let me know when you fight somebody that's going to put his hands up. Last time you fought right. the guy with one leg, you know, it was great. Loved yeah. it. We're all I afraid of him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. I, I don't know what's going on. But anyway, yeah, it's funny that this keeps going on and on because, like you say, I, some, I just – yeah, anyway, I mean, look, I mean, I've, been, I've, been, I've ripped the Charlos in the past, but that Charlo, I thought his win over Julian Williams was, was a nice win. And the other one, when he beat Erickson Lubin, that was a nice win. But let's right. also get real here. Everybody's so scared of these guys. Why? Because you beat one guy? I mean, this one here beat you know beat a one-legged Argentine who whose one big win was over <laughs> 80-year-old Matthew Macklin. And 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 Triple G is supposed to be scared of this guy. 
And then he no. takes he takes eight months off and comes back and is going to fight Hugo Centeno. And what the hell is he scared of? That's true. If There's he was that bad, it. why is he not fighting anybody? <laughs> well, you know. What you just said tell is, me, tell is, me, Malpica, if he's promotion. that bad, if these Charlo brothers are that bad, why don't they fight anybody? Well, tell me why. Goes, tell me why between the two of them they have two decent wins over two guys that between Julian Williams and Erickson Lubin don't have any wins over anybody. <laughs> well, I mean, well, first, first, my first answer to that would be look at 154. I mean, it's not like it's that's fair enough. That's a good very, point. Very top heavy, very thin, very thin. And I'll give you that. Very, very top heavy, and three of the three of the guys that were dominating the division consider consider themselves. Well, two of them are brothers, but they consider Lara like a brother too. So they never fought each other. So that takes three uh-huh. out the the bank right there. But I hear what you're saying. They need they need before they before they start talking and keep talking, they need to they need to get in the ring. I don't think there's any excuses anymore. We've seen fights cross boundaries. We saw Daniel Jacobs when he was with PBC fight Triple G, right? We've seen these things happen. There are no more excuses. Like I, I'm tired I'm tired of hearing politics and, and all this bullshit when it can happen. And if it can happen I, I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear anybody talking anymore unless they're really, really willing to put themselves out there and fight these guys. You see, the Charlo brothers and all these guys. You know who they remind me of? It was like when, like the near the end of the year, when Josh Gordon came back with the Browns wide receivers, and Josh <laughs> Gordon and Corey Coleman, and they scored those touchdowns against the Green Bay. And they're putting sunglasses on. And they're strutting around. And go, you still lost. <laughs> You know, did you really did did you really prove anything yet? Did you really do anything? You know, so so, look, I the 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 older Charlo's like older, heavier Charlo's win over Julian Williams was a nice win, and the young the lighter Charlo's knockout win over Erickson Lubin was one of my best knockouts of the year. Love that for sure. But but really, let's you know. You're absolutely right. 154 is really top heavy. Let's let's not get too excited. And, and the WBC putting the Charlo at 160 as the number one contender, off beating a one-legged guy who had never beaten anybody other than hundred, you know, 85-year-old Matthew Macklin, was a joke in itself. And now, let's let him have eight months off, and we're going to bring him back against the immortal Hugo Centeno. That doesn't do much for me. <laughs> hey, that sounds right up PBC's alley, honestly. And PBC, here's another one for you, and I, and I wrote about this recently in the five fights that I don't want to see, but I'm, you know, only PBC, when you have a guaranteed barn burner for title unification between – Charlo and Jared Hurd, only PBC would, in a guaranteed fireworks fight between Charlo and Hurd, would give you Arislandi Lara and Hurd. In a fight guaranteed fireworks, only PBC would give you a half burnt sparkler. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, it's really, it's really kind of funny. I just happened to pull up one of the rankings. I don't, you know, give that much credit, but 
You know who the number five ranked one sixty pound fighter is, don't you, Sean? I which division? Peter Paul Fred. Charlo. There you go. He's ranked well, he's number, number five one in the WBC. Number. He's not. Yeah, he's, 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 he's like a guy. Nobody. Yeah, he's fought no one, like you said, and he's number he five like a guy. overall. Yep. He's number one in the WBC. He's fought one fight, the one-legged on. man. <laughs> Sean, which division, did, which which um, which sanctioning body is it to where if you if you are if you're the champion of one uh, division and you move up, they automatically rank you number one. WBO. Okay, so it's not okay. All right. Yeah, if you, you know, like Crawford is the number one mandatory in welterweight because he gave up the w, the junior welter. That's why Terry Terry uh, Flanagan is going to fight for Crawford's belt because he gave up the lightweight belt for WBO. By the way, very interesting tweet that Terrence Crawford just made. He asked the WBA, where's my belt from beating in Dongo? He says, y'all didn't have any problem taking my money. Where's my belt? <laughs> That's funny. That's because funny. He, because when he fought in Dongo, and Dongo had the WBA belt and the IBF belt, and he just tweeted, he says, y'all didn't have it. Where's my belt? Y'all didn't have any problem taking my money. Where's my belt? That's hilarious. <laughs> wow, Fred, you, you got, got anything else for us, man? Oh, no, buddy. You guys, it's been a great show again. Miss, like I said, missed you last week. Really Thank you for having me, y'all. Make sure you, you check know, out. Uh, uh, we'll be we'll be releasing the 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 video version of the the podcast tomorrow. Yeah, Fighthead Boxing Show. Yeah. Check it out, man. I will. You guys take care. Have a good night, and hopefully, some get some other people calling me. You guys, you did good talk tonight. I really enjoyed it. Thank you, Freddie. So, all right, Fred. All right, you guys take care of yourselves. How are uh, you too, man? There he is, everybody. Fred Landis. <laughs> oh, man. Good stuff from Fred there. Brought up brought up the um, the Easter Fortuna fight, which you, know, it wasn't well, was, the, you can't bring the hamburger out for that one, but it, it was still a bad decision. It wasn't that. It wasn't quite hamburger worthy. But I thought Fortuna won. Yeah, me too. Very unimpressed with Robert Easter. Um, the whole could he beat Mikey Garcia, that argument, or, or Linares, that argument just went completely out the window. I think both those guys absolutely dismantle him. Did you see Mikey Garcia's tweet today where he says he wants to fight Errol Spence in the fall? Mike, he's weird. <laughs> He talks. A, he's another one of these guys that talks a lot of crap and never delivers anything. This is a lot of guy. This is another guy who is a really great fighter. I, he's really a nice fighter, but boy, has anybody talked more and delivered less than Mikey Garcia? I mean, as far as actually getting in the ring and fighting good fighters, he's been connected to about everybody in the world under 154 pounds. You never right. fought any that of them. True. That is true. Think about it. Okay, Spence, Cotto, uh, Pacquiao. Uh, Lomachenko. Lomachenko. <laughs> Linares. Oh, my gosh. He's been connected to about half of the pound-for-pound <laughs> pound list and hasn't fought any of them. <laughs> and it's always with some BS excuse about – you know, well, I'm a. I want to be my own man. I want to be my own promoter. I want to do. It's all. 
you know, and there's all I, you know, I didn't want to fight Lenaris because I got a, you know, I need more money. I got a bigger event. Right. What's the bigger event? Oh, it's Sergey Lipinets. Well, I, well, that yeah. solves it. Crawford, I, he's I, connected you know, to Crawford too. He's he's been connected to Crawford. I mean, and 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 he's a really good fighter. I mean, I'm not knocking Mikey Garcia as a fighter. It's like some of these guys, I wonder about him as fighters. I don't wonder about Mikey Garcia as a fighter. I just wonder about his business decisions. And I just like he's been connected about fighting about everybody under the blue sun, and, <laughs> and he never fights any of them. No. How would you? How would oh, you feel yeah, about? Oh yeah, I want to fight uh, Errol Spence in the fall. Okay. How would you feel about? Oh, who's Garcia next? You gonna take on Anthony Joshua too? <laughs> uh, Mikey Garcia versus Lucas Matisse. How would you feel about that? Well, yeah, I guess I'd be okay with that. I guess. You know, I guess I'd be okay with that. No, granted, Matisse gets 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 by his opponent this week, which I think is going to be tougher than a lot of people think. But yeah, I, I don't know. You know, yeah, I, I guess I'd be okay with that. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. This, uh... Go ahead, Sean. No, no, no. I, I mean, that's not a that's not a fight that I would be thrilled about, but I'd be okay. I think it'd be a good. But but, but, good, but you good know what? Here's my problem with that. If if he'll do business with Golden Boy for Matisse, why won't you do business with Golden Boy for Lenaris? Oh yeah, I mean yeah, like I, I'm just throwing I'm just throwing ideas out there. So yeah, he'd have to fight Lenaris before that. Yeah, I mean um, if you'll do business with Golden Boy for Matisse, why wouldn't you do it for Lenaris? Which you'd think is a bigger money fight that people would actually want to see. I'm gonna throw some uh, news. News items out there real quick, and we could just touch upon them. And then there's one quick old school pugilism uh, question that was asked that I want to bring oh, up great. to you. Love um, it. Well, let me run through some of these news items real quick. Showtime and Premier Boxing Champions um, are basically they're having a special boxing presentation to unveil their fights that are coming up on Showtime Championship Boxing. Um, okay. Plans to present fighters and matchups from 10 events across the first half of 2018, featuring okay. 16 world champions and 13 world championship fights. Uh, the fights that are expected to be announced are, drumroll please, Danny right. Garcia, Brandon Rios, uh, David Benavidez, who I'm pretty high on against Ronald Gavril too. Um, well, the first one was all right. Uh, I, I, that's good. I like that. Uh, Deontay Wilder, Luis Ortiz. Um, yeah, assuming they actually get in the ring, I'm interested in that. <laughs> Jamal Charlo against uh, Hugo Centeno. Wow, am I jacked up for that? I am. You know what? <laughs> that is number one on my list. Right, right, right. Uh, Sergey Lipinets, Mikey Garcia, which we knew. Rances Bartholomew versus Kareel Relic two on March 10th. Um. Fights that probably will be included are Jared Hurd, Eris Landy Lara, which you spoke about no. a little bit earlier. Um, Adonis Stevenson versus Badu Jack. How you feel about that? Uh, you know, I'm What's okay with it. <laughs> Didn't he knock out Fanfara in their rematch? I, oh, I'm okay God. with it. I mean, I think there's – my biggest problem with it is Stevenson doesn't fight anybody, and he doesn't fight anybody good. If he would have been fighting anybody normal over the last 
five years, I would probably be a little more okay with it. But there's so many more deserving light heavyweights. Yeah, how about a mandatory for the last three years? Right, that would be nice. Uh, (laughs) Or or a breathing light heavyweight instead of the Tommy (laughs) Carpenters and the washed-up Funfaras and – but, you know, I, if if he had been fighting any normal light heavyweights, I'd be okay with it. But still, it should be okay. So I guess I'm at least – this is the sad part is, is Badu Jack's probably the best guy he's fought as champion in a defense, other than arguably the first Funfara fight. This is probably the best title defense he's ever had, and it's against a guy that has never fought at the weight. That's what I'm saying. Okay, isn't this right up his alley? A blown up super middleweight, yeah, and a guy it's that exactly hasn't even, right up his alley. He has not. It's a guy that's a got guy a big. It's a guy that hadn't fought in a year. A blown up super middleweight with a reasonably big name. It's exactly up his alley. And then he'll make some ludicrous comment about wanting Sergey Kovalev when he has no interest in fighting him. <laughs> it's right. exactly what you're looking for. This is right up Adonis Stevenson's alley. Yeah, that dude, he's a joke, man. Talented guy, don't get me wrong. Talented guy. You know, big, big counter left hand, man, big. Fun to watch. Fun to watch, but, man, talk about a career that just fizzled. Could have made a lot more money than he did. Did it to himself. Yes, he could have. Yep. Keith Thurman returning in April, possibly against Jesse Vargas. How do you feel about that? You know what? I I give Keith Thurman a pass because, you know, not because he's been fighting once a year, because his his injury was legitimate. You know, I mean, I'm, I, I, I I laugh at the whole one time thing and all, but this time, you know, I mean, his injury was a legitimately serious injury. It was the other one time a year. The that layoff was the one that was BS. This one was a legitimate. You know, it was a legitimate injury. It takes a while to recover from that. And Jesse Vargas isn't a gimme as a comeback foe. You think he should win, but it's not a layup. Yeah, I'm okay. True. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Who knocked it? Who KO'd Vargas? Somebody KO'd Vargas. Oh, was was it Manny? No, Manny did. Did Manny KO him? Manny did not I don't KO think, Vargas. No, no, I don't think anybody KO'd Vargas. Vargas KO'd Saddam Ali. Yeah, I remember that, but for some reason I thought, okay, so yeah, Vargas, he got beat down by Manny. But, yeah, um, Manny beat Vargas pretty handily, but I think it went to 12. Gotcha. So it'd be a big, it'd be, if, if Keith Thurman could stop Jesse Vargas, that would be somewhat of a statement. Um, but that's, yeah. Especially I hear if he you. did it early. Yes, yes, for sure. Um, there's a rumored fight between Adrian Broner and Omar Figueroa. <laughs> How do you feel about that one? (laughs) You know what? That's two guys that at one time could have been really, really good lightweights that (laughs) probably have have ruined any type of potential they ever had. Although Figueroa did really look good in his last fight. What did he KO Guerrero, right? Yeah. He really did look good in that. But the key is there is did Robert Guerrero have nothing or well, did he, Figueroa he, look good? Well, he retired that's the after key. that one. So yeah, 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 that's the key. Was it that Figueroa looked really good or was Guerrero just so shop-worn that he had nothing left? 
That's the key. We don't know. And lastly, a rematch between Leo Santa Cruz and Abdem Morris. Scale of 1 to 10, how excited are you for that one? Six, maybe seven. It's a good fight. I, I, didn't think their, I didn't think their first fight was great. I thought it was good, not great. I thought PBC kind of pushed it a little bit. Uh, I thought they made it better than it really was. I thought it was okay. I thought it was good, not great. I'm okay with there being a rematch, mainly because Leo, mainly because for a guy that I kind of like in the ring, I like Leo Santa Cruz in the ring. I don't like Leo Santa Cruz out of the ring. I think he's babied. I think he's protected. I mean, he seems like a nice guy, so I don't. It's not personal. It's not like some of these guys who I hear interview. It's not like some of these guys outside the ring where I hear them talk and I go, okay, the guy seems like a jerk or he seems like a, it's not personal like that. I don't like the way he runs his business. It's like, okay, we're going to fight a mutt and then I'm going to take six months off. Then I'm going to fight another rollover. I'm going to fight a, fight a squash. Then I'm going to take six months off. Then I'm going to fight another squash. I'm going to take six months off. Then I'm going to fight somebody decent. Then I'm going to skate by by the skin of my teeth. And then I'm going to take another six months off. Then I'm going to fight a squash. Then I, then he fights Carl Frampton. Well, then I want an immediate rematch. And then, and then, I, and then he beats Carl Frampton. Oh, I'm going to go over to Ireland. Nah, I changed my mind. And I'm going to take six months off. And I just don't like the way he does business. But that could be his dad. Yeah, for sure. Anytime, anytime Dad's involved, it becomes a whole different ball game in boxing, as you know. You ever notice that? Oh, we could do when a whole Dad's show involved, on it's also in a whole different world. <laughs> uh, Peter Nelson, executive vice president of HBO Sports, was sitting next That'll to Dana out. White at the UFC uh, this past weekend. Uh, you think anything's going on there, or just nope. a coincidence? Coincidence. I think Dana White's going to get in with Heyman. It's a good point. Good point. Good point. All right, some non-boxing stuff before we go old school pugilism. Cleveland Browns hire Todd Haley as their offensive coordinator. Sean, give me your thoughts. Love it. Love it. Love it. I think it's great. Todd Haley's a really good offensive coordinator. The only reason he's not in Pittsburgh is because Ben Roethlisberger hates his guts. And I think it'll be a great hire. And he'll be a great interim head coach when Hugh Jackson gets canned in the middle of the 2018 season. So over under on games, Hugh Jackson survives in 2018. Nine. Nine? That much, huh? Oof. Now they will be is Todd Haley. They will, Todd Haley, they will be Todd they Haley? will be two and seven when he gets hired. They will finish the season five and eleven. Wow, interesting. Nostradamus over here. So they'll go three and what? Three and two in their last their last five, huh? That'd be nice. That, uh, that's just a rough guess. And keep in mind, I reserve <laughs> the right to change my mind because I haven't seen the schedule yet. True, true, very true, very true. Now, now the schedule they going... hasn't been released. Uh, that's just a rough guess. Reserve the right to change my mind. Do you think they're going to be running Todd Haley's offense, or is Todd Haley going to be running Hugh Jackson's offense? Well, it better be Todd Haley's offense if he's calling the plays. Because if they're running Hugh Jackson's offense and he's not calling the plays, it's doomed to failure. But here's why. <laughs> here's the, here's the bigger point, though, and this is where this whole thing is going to where this could be like a shotgun marriage. Okay, Jimmy Haslam said. Well, uh, Hugh Jackson hasn't lost his magic of calling plays. Well, if he hadn't lost his magic, 
why is Todd Haley being brought in to call plays? And if you're bringing Todd Haley in to call plays, why are we keeping a guy that's one in thirty-one? Good questions. Might have to do well, it. We might have to do I don't expect to receive any answers, but you know, it's just yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Milwaukee Bucks fire Jason Kidd. Any thoughts on that? Probably a move that was doomed to happen when they kind of underachieved a little bit this year, but you know. Coaches like Jason Kidd tend to – I think he's going to be one of these guys that – he's going to kind of be like uh, Mike uh, D'Antoni. He's going to have a short shelf life at several different stops among his coaching career. And he's going to be a guy that you, by the time he's all done over the next 20 years, he'll be at, he'll have a career among four or five different cities. Gotcha. He's going to be a good coach with a short shelf life at each he'll have a three or four year shelf life because I think he's gonna be the kind of coach that is gonna rub raw after a while. Kinda of like a basketball Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> oh yeah, I got you there. Lastly, what is wrong with the Cleveland Cavaliers? Too many stars and not enough role players. Hmm. Interesting take. They need they need a trade to get some of these guys that are willing to do some dirty work. Hmm. They need to get, if it was me, they need to get get a big man inside that's willing to bang the boards, that, can, that, is, cap- that is capable of scoring inside. If they can get anybody that will take Mr. Kardashian for anything, <laughs> he needs to go. If they can get anything, if they can get a tube of Ben Gay and a huge jockstrap for Iman Shumpert, they can have that. Some of these guys, they just need to get anything that they can get for them to create A, cap space, and B, somebody that is willing to do some dirty work and some role Yeah, I mean, look, you have all the scoring in the world if nobody knows how to play defense. And sometimes... It's not fantasy basketball, dude. You have to have a little bit of a team concept. And LeBron James knows how to play team basketball. If if you can't play team basketball with LeBron James, <laughs> you know this is you know you're not dealing with with some of these guys. You are not dealing with a one dimensional gunner here. If you can't play team basketball with LeBron James then we need to find you a system that you can flourish in elsewhere. Yeah. Um, I, I like your take, man. And it's a take that you're not seeing everywhere. Um, you know, you're, you're hearing the same old crap, you know, that, you know, like I got respect for Jason Lloyd, uh, Joe Varden, Dave McMenamin, uh, Brian Windhorst, those guys that cover the NBA and, and specifically the Cavaliers. But, um, I think you made a good point because you got a lot of guys – like, you have a lot of talent on that team. Don't give me that they're old situation. I think it's they're, – they're, they're finding – they're having trouble finding a place, a role, I should say, uh, within, within the confines of, of, of 48 minutes. And it start, especially when you guys coming in and out, you know, Tristan comes back from injury. Now you got Derrick Rose back from injury. You just had IT back from injury. And and it, that's the big issue too because he is a um, 
a defensive liability that's really hurting the team right now. And um, I think it's going to be addition by subtraction in a way. You get some lesser talented guys that will fill a role, like you said, a big man that could bang the boards or just a wing defender. You know what I'm saying? And, And maybe you get rid of a couple guys that on the surface it seems like you're losing a lot. But really, it's going to be addition by subtraction. That's, that's true. They played really well when when Calderon was running the point, and now he yes, never plays. Did. And Shannon Fry I as mean, well. Yeah, Calderon was a guy that they were playing him twenty twenty two minutes a night, coming off the bench and running the offense as a as a pass first point guard. Now all of a sudden he never plays because you have these other guys that are back these higher paid, higher priced, bigger stat guys. Well, he was a pass first point guard. He was letting these other guys flourish because he knew his role. He knew, he stayed in his lane. They didn't expect he didn't expect to shoot the ball 30, 30 times a game. He let these other guys do his job. He did what his job was: pass first, set them up, do his job. He was a passing old school point guard, and he let these other guys that did let them do what they did best. Well, all of a sudden he's sitting. And the whole dynamic changed. For sure. For sure. Role players, baby. Not everybody. You can't have 12 guys that need the ball in their hands to flourish. For sure. That doesn't work. Why do you – dude, nobody wants to watch the NBA All-Star game every night because they suck. <laughs> right. For sure. If every night we watch the if, – if tomorrow – if tomorrow the NBA went to went from 30 teams to eight teams and it legitimately became the best hundred players in the world and each team had the best 10 or 12 guys on it, those games would suck. Yeah, you'd see some you would see some outstanding crazy stuff, boy. You would see some great highlights. And every game would be 154 to 151. There'd be no defense. There'd be no passing the ball. Everything would be clear of the floor, one on four. It, and they, the game would suck. Within five years, every playground in this country would be one on four. High school games would be the shits. And we and fifteen years from now, when your lovely daughter would be playing high school basketball in Frisco, Texas, we would be I would be sitting in the stands getting ready to come down and visit you on social security and I'd be going <laughs> What the F is going on with basketball? Why is that what the hell is this? Right. It doesn't right. even look like this. What the hell am I watching? It looks like indoor soccer roller hockey something. That's what it would look like. Well, that's why, you know, there's a little more to it than that. There's some nuance here. You know, guys do their role. There's pass-first point guards. You know, for every power forward Carl Malone, there's a one-dimensional rebounder. I remember when I was uh, in the 80s, a guy named Larry Smith. He played for the Warriors and the Rockets. He averaged like five points a game. He also got like 18,000 rebounds a game. And everybody loved the guy because he knew his role. His job was was to clean the boards and do the dirty work. Guy was awesome. He couldn't hit a basket from he couldn't hit a basket from here to the length of my arm. 
but he was a cleaner on the boards, boy. Oh, yeah. They don't make players like that no more. I mean, they make players like that, but they don't have a place in this today's NBA. Role players. They're the yeah. kind of guys that you go to war with, and you win. Yeah, now sure. everybody's, oh, you know, my God, i got to score 15 points a game, and it's all about playing on four different teams, and, and, and we're one of them, and right now it's great. You know, LeBron leaves next year. We might as well go ahead and sign ourselves. Hey, congratulations. We're the Charlotte whatevers. And, <laughs> I thought you know, it was we'll funny, man. I, I posted a, a tweet yesterday um, calling out LeBron and how bad, like how no one's talking about how bad he's been playing. Like everyone's talking about everybody else on the team, but completely overlooking how bad LeBron's been playing in the same stretch. And I put out some stats and everything like that. Lo and behold, there are two articles that come out, no names please, by certain journalists that cover the team about the same thing. Not saying they took my tweet or whatever the case may be, but I just thought it was quite ironic. I'm nobody's talking about that. Then all of a sudden, the next day, they have something to write about. Well, good, well, good for p- planting the seed. Was it my good friend Branson Wright? <laughs> it was not, no. I, I don't uh, follow him, so I wouldn't know. <laughs> um, let me get to this little old school pugilism thing real quick. Um, good. We got 15 and, minutes. That's good. Yeah, I was just reading um, uh, a boxing chat, and someone posed the question, Roberto Duran Versus Aaron Pryor at 140 pounds in a 15-round fight, who you got? Almost happened. Almost happened. Hmm. Almost happened, too. It was close. And what would have happened? I think Duran would have found a way to win. I think it would have been very close. I think... uh, Assuming that this would have happened, okay, um, keep in mind the prior reign ran from 1980 through 1983. Um, So for the purposes of this, we're going to assume that this fight would have happened in 80 uh, because by 80, Duran Duran and Welterweight was only – in 80, because after the he goes to 154 after the second Leonard fight. So this fight had to happen in 1980. So because Pryor won the title in 1980 after when he beat Cervantes in 1980, he had never fought a junior welterweight. He was the, he was in nobody he was fighting at lightweight and nobody would fight him. He had never fought a junior welter and got a title fight. So for the purposes of this argument, you have to go 1980 Roberto Duran against 1980 Aaron Pryor. So all things considered, I think that Roberto Duran is the – so you're looking at the Duran that fought Ray Leonard against the Aaron Pryor that fought Antonio Cervantes. That Aaron Pryor hadn't quite hit his maturity level yet. Hadn't. This is not the Pryor that fought Arguello. Hadn't quite matured yet. Hadn't fought as many top-notch opponents as he would fight. Hadn't quite hit his peak. Hadn't quite developed yet. And you're looking at the Duran that was closer to the lightweight Duran. I think that Duran finds a way to win, probably wins a hard-fought close decision. Interesting take. Interesting take. 
Yeah, I mean, you make a lot of sense there, um, especially at that time, because one of my, I mean, I, I still love the the uh, Duran Leonard one, which I just don't think gets enough credit for how good of a fight that was. And um, Duran was, he just, that was Duran at his, not at his best, his best was at lightweight, but you could just see like he was such a more relentless fighter uh, prior to going up to like one, 154 and, and eventually 160. Um so, yeah, I, I agree with you in that sentiment. I think he would have found a way to beat Aaron Pryor. But Aaron Pryor would have made it pretty damn interesting for sure. <laughs> well, you see, now, the the argu- now that's if had the, the fight that was close to happening was the, the Leonard-Duran fight. Leonard and Duran had talked, and it, it was offered. And it came close to, you know, you know how boxing goes. It's never truly over, and it almost didn't happen. And so Mike Trainer, who was Leonard's manager, started negotiating with Pepino Cuevas for a Leonard Cuevas fight, a title unification bout, because the Duran fight negotiations weren't going well. This is before Cuevas had fought would fight Hearns, and in between while. That was going on a little bit. Duran was talking about fighting Aaron Pryor because I think Duran was smart enough even then to know that the matchup with Thomas Hearns was not going to go well for him physically. <laughs> right. And at that time, Hearns was a dangerous contender, but he, there was no money behind it. He hadn't won the title yet, and et cetera. And there was talk of a Duran Aaron Pryor fight right around that time. Had that had Hearn had Leonard signed to fight Cuevas, you could have seen Duran Aaron Pryor. Now, there is a scenario where I might have picked Aaron Pryor. If we were talking about the Pryor that fought Arguello against the Duran that fought the like the pudgy, sometimes less than motivated Duran, <laughs> eh, I could pry that. I would probably pick Pryor. Well, let's no, let's, let's make it interesting. Well, let's make it interesting. Let's say the 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 Pryor that fought Arguello, right, against the Duran that fought Leonard the first time, because that's probably the best of Pryor. Not 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 exactly the best of Duran, but definitely the best around that weight class. Still like Duran, I think he finds a way to win because Pryor has to come to Duran. Duran always the guys that came to Duran never lost. The guy other other than Hearns, which is a whole different world. The guys right. that were Duran's size that came to him, he never lost. He lost the bigger guys. But he never lost the guys that were his size. I think. Hey, Sean. Sean, I'm gonna yeah. step away. I'm gonna step away for just a second. Keep keep um, running the show, buddy. Gotcha. Uh, the guys that came to Duran that were his size, he never lost. You know, the the bigger guys, yeah, okay, but never the guys that came to him that were his size. I just don't see it happening. Now, I could see a scenario where Pryor just throws so many punches and overwhelms him, but I just think as much as I love Darren Pryor and I love the style, 
I just don't see it happening. I think eventually he would have been too wide open, and I think Duran would have caught him and probably taken him out. I, I just, I, I just think that's how it would have played out. It might have, problem, a decision, more likely. But I could also see, here comes Pryor and he's stampeding, he's throwing a whole bunch of punches, and he's doing the whole manic Aaron Pryor thing, and he comes flying at him with one of those crazy uppercuts out of nowhere, and Duran hits him with a short, compact left hook and takes him out, kind of like the one he hit Ray Lampkin with and knocked him silly. I think kind of like that, maybe late, like the 13th round, something like that. Back in the days where men were men and they fought 15-round fights. At least that's my take on it. So I guess I, I, Ramon's still not here, so I'll just talk for some more. Yeah, it's too bad Aaron Pryor's comeback was aborted. He should have retired undefeated. Only lost one fight, Bobby Joe Young. Yeah, a comeback where he uh, was stopped in the eighth round by Bobby Joe Young. Quite a guy who uh, was highly thought of for a while as a one-dimensional puncher. Bobby Joe Young, uh, part of that uh, early 80s welterweight crop with the Donald Curry's, Milton McCrory's, Marlon Starling. Are you there now? I'm back. I'm back. Sounds like you're moving some stuff in the background. Uh, No, man, just situating a few things. I thought Derek Beamer was going to give us a call tonight, but I guess we'll have to catch him. Next week, I wanted to hear his thoughts on uh, Mr. Spence. But um, what else going on, man? What else going on, Sean? Anything anything on your mind? Boxing, I'm excited, sports, life, anything? I, I, I'm excited about this weekend. I'm not really excited about HBO's card, but we get the World Boxing Super Series coming back this weekend. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of bummed that there's still no US TV, man. Oh, speaking of, there he is, everybody. Derek Beamer's on the line. Let's get him in real quick. <laughs> What's going on, Derek? Hey, guys. Sorry I'm late. Oh, you're good, nice to see you here. Yeah, Better late than uh, never. Good show, you guys. I'm uh, I'm glad you guys are keeping at it. Um, you're doing a good job, so keep Thank up. Thank you, sir. Uh, keep fighting the good fight. The fight heads appreciate Somebody. It's an uphill battle, it. but we're doing our best. You're doing good. You're doing good. So... I'll tell you what, I wasn't really a believer in Errol Spence before Saturday night. Um, You might think I'm crazy for not being on the bandwagon earlier, but um, I just, you know, fighting the competition he fought, I wasn't all that impressed, I guess. So that's my justification. But, man, I'll tell you what, his body work is amazing. And uh, Sean, I'm totally in agreement with you. Uh, I think he... Beat the brakes off of Keith Thurman, man. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't even think it's close, honestly. It'll be Keith, uh, Keith one time to the mat, Thurman. I mean, <laughs> it'll be over. So, you know, I think him and Bud Crawford, man. That's to me. That's the that's the that's the fight at 147 to me. Um, I, I said it. I said it right after the fight. I I don't see. I see Spence Thurman being very similar to what you saw Saturday night. I think it's going to be very, very similar. Yeah. You know what? I, I think that uh, – how, how do you think a fight with, with uh, Crawford would play out? Because Crawford seems to me to be the type of guy who 
when when he's in with better competition, he just he gets better. Well, we don't know what Crawford's going to be like at 147 quite yet, but I think he's got the body frame to handle it. Um, but we, I, I we'll see. I think he's got the body frame to handle it. But if you're asking me, I kind of lean towards Spence, but I think that's a 50-50 fight. I think Crawford's yeah. the only guy that I would give a chance to at 147. Yeah, I think I think yeah. The key is if if his power can 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 have an impact at 147. Um, I ex- I would expect Crawford to fight the way he fought against Postal against Spence, or he's literally you know using his boxing ability, doing his best Floyd impression, sticking, staying on the outside, and not allowing Spence to you know to to have a stationary target. But I just don't. I can't see anybody deterring Spence from from doing what he wants to do. So I lean I lean towards Spence right now, but I want to see I want to see how Crawford looks against Horn before I make a, a full determination on what's going to happen if they ever fight. Okay, I got another quick question, uh, Ramon. You made a comment about Spence and Canelo being the the next super fight, basically. Where do, right. How long before and. In what division do you see that in? Do you see Spence moving all the way up to 160, or maybe since Canelo's really not that big, maybe that happens at 154? Uh, and how long how long down the line before you see that coming? Well, I well Spence already brought it up. He already said I, I'll go up to 160 to fight Canelo. Like he already brought it up. Like Spence is in that mode now, and hopefully he's more active, you know, to where it actually makes sense. But he's in that mode now where he's like, look, I'm here to take over, you know. So I would say. If he's able to get the Crawford fight, or 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 the book is shut on the Crawford fight, I'd say by 2020. It won't happen this year. It won't happen next year. I said the earliest 2020, but also depends on what's going on with Canelo too. You know how Golden Boy is. They can, they might skate around that fight for two years for all I know. But I'd say 2020, the earliest. I think if they're skating around a fight, it's going to be against a Charlo. Possible. Possible. It, a lot of it. Deter, a lot of it's going to be determined on what happens in May. I mean, if he if he gets if he loses to Triple G, they're going to have to reevaluate. Um, they're really going to have to reevaluate, you know, what they're doing with Canelo too. So they'll take him on the Oscar tour. They'll they'll take him. They'll do with him what Oscar does. They'll get him. They'll just start doing what they did. What they used to do with Oscar. They'll get him a belt here or there. They'll always be able to make money with him. And and they'll always have an attraction. It'll still be a big fight, just won't be as big. I, best case scenario for me, Spence cleans out 147 and, and and gets to 160 with all those big monsters, man. And that that would be amazing. But you know, we'll see what happens. All right, we appreciate the call, Derek. Right, you guys. Hey, right, thanks, you guys. man. Appreciate it. Thanks for calling. Follow us. Uh, follow me on Twitter at RL Melpica. Make sure you follow Sean at Thoughts of RS. Sean, tell them where they can find the blog. Uh, ThoughtsofRS.blogspot.com. And um, before, uh, make sure you check out the show that's going to be on YouTube tomorrow. You guys have a good one. Peace. <laughs>